0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state Surgeon General has launched an investigation into reports that more than 1,000 COVID-19 vaccine doses were damaged last week in Palm Beach County. The governor wants to know how that happened.
1: Don't let any of it go to waste, especially given how much demand there is for it. So hopefully we'll be able to get uh, some answers on that.
0: Ron DeSantis said that in Pahokee, where he announced a new pod has been set up to provide vaccinations for folks who live far from the urban centers of Palm Beach County. But the credit actually goes to former FSU and NFL player Anquan Bolden, who comes from the Glades.
2: At times we feel like out in the Glades, we're we're forgotten at times. And thank God that we have people that are they're willing to step up and, and fight for the people out in the Glades. This is home, always has been home always will be.
0: And since he had an NFL all-star by his side, the governor could not resist talking about this weekend's Super Bowl in Tampa.
2: I am happy
1: to to go on the record and predict uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl victory.
0: Students and faculty at the University of Florida are speaking out against the effort to force everyone to return to campus for in-person classes. They say UF leaders are downplaying the threat of COVID and putting lives at risk because they're afraid of budget cuts from Tallahassee.
3: In the spirit of bureaucratic mismanagement and obfuscation favored by Ron DeSantis and our state government, Kent Fox's administration has sought to minimize COVID fears, not by confronting the issue, but by shoving it under the rug.
0: A Senate committee approves a bill that would give the corrections department the authority to release older inmates and those who face serious medical problems.
4: Many states offer what they call elder release because these individuals are not likely to rob a bank at 80.
0: A couple of Democrats have filed bills to kill MCORs, the multi-billion dollar project to build three new toll roads through some of the last undeveloped areas of the state.
5: As taxpayers, we've already thrown away more than $130 million on this budget-busting MCORs program. And if fully constructed, these toll roads could cost our state nearly $25 billion.
0: We'll hear from the lawmakers who want to repeal MCORs on Sunrise in depth. We'll also have your calendar of events and the story of a Florida man, and also a state lawmaker, who says he got his mask in his mouth so there is no room for his foot. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, February 4th. It was on this date in 1789 the first U.S. Electoral College chose George Washington as president. No one stormed the building because it was a time of real patriots, not pretenders and cosplayers. On this date in 2004, Mark Zuckerberg launched Facebook from his dorm room in Harvard. This is World Cancer Day, and it's National Thank-A-Mail Carrier Day. Florida reported 203 additional fatalities and almost 7,000 new cases of COVID-19 Wednesday. More than 27,000 Floridians have now lost their lives to the virus. And when you add in the non-residents who died in the Sunshine State, our death toll has reached 27,472. The total number of infections in Florida, just short of 1,745,000. Governor DeSantis says the Department of Health is investigating reports that more than 1,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccine were damaged and spoiled in Palm Beach County.
1: The Surgeon General, the Secretary of the Department of Health put out uh, notice that they're going to be an audit for the Palm Beach County Health District uh, upon reports of some of the vaccines being improperly stored and therefore spoiled. I think it's 100% appropriate to do. Uh, we know that there are certain storage requirements with these. Obviously, the Pfizer has more Uh, stringent storage requirements, but the Moderna also has certain requirements and people are very conscious about that by and large. So I think, I think we need to get answers on that. Don't let any of it go to waste, especially given how much demand there is for it. So hopefully we'll be able to get uh, some
0: answers on that. The governor announced the investigation in the town of Pahokee on the shores of Lake Okeechobee in Palm Beach County. He was there to respond to complaints that people in the Glades agricultural area have been denied vaccines because all the doses are going to Publix and none of their stores are anywhere near. The governor told his people to set up this vaccination pod in Pahokee, but the credit actually goes to Anquan Bolden, an all star football player with FSU and the NFL. Bolden called his former Seminole teammate John Davis, who runs the state lottery. Davis then got in touch with the governor, who made it happen. So Bolden joined DeSantis and Davis to make the announcement in Pahokee.
2: You know, I know the, the governor said a lot of great things about me and I appreciate it, but this is more about more than just about me. There's a lot of people that made this day happen. All of the mayors uh, from from the area, uh, South Bay, Bell Glade, Pahokee, um, Guardians of the Glades, like I said, John Davis, um, he's just a phone call away. And as soon as I called him um, and gave him the message, he said he'll get right on it and, you know, this day happened because of John. Um, so I really appreciate him um, and the governor's office for uh, their quick response. Um, we we always feel like, or at times we feel like out in the Glades, we're we're forgotten at times. And thank God that we have people that are they're willing to step up and, and fight for the people out in the Glades. This is home, always has been home, always will be. And it's my job to make sure that the people out here are taken care of. So again, I just want to thank the governor for his quick response and and uh, how he addressed the need that we have out here in the glaze today. And as long as he had a pro
0: bowler by his side, the Gov decided it was a perfect time to announce his pick for the Super Bowl. Got a
1: pretty big game for the state of Florida on Sunday. We're happy to be hosting two Super Bowls in a row. And um, I am happy to to go on the record and predict uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl victory. Tom Brady will be a seventh Super Bowl and the only time they've ever won uh, a team has ever won in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. And so I think a 43-year-old quarterback who is already, in my judgment, the GOAT coming here into winning will be one of the greatest uh, sport team sports achievements of all time. In fact, in NFL history, if they can do it, you would say Dolphins undefeated and the Bucs with Brady may be
0: two of the best. DeSantis has been positively giddy about Tom Brady ever since he was traded to the Bucks. If the governor's bromance gets any more intense, they should probably get a room. Faculty and students at the University of Florida say they're being forced back into the classroom by an administration that cares more about money than their lives. Anthropology student Jacob Geiner says President Kent Fox is putting everyone at risk in the midst of a pandemic.
3: The situation is dire. Since the start of the semester, over 500 UF students and over 100 UF employees have contracted COVID-19. We are faced with a hostile administration, one that pressures instructors with disciplinary action for encouraging students to enroll in online sections during a pandemic that has claimed the lives of over 2 million people worldwide. That same administration is refusing to notify students properly when their classmates contract COVID. If I were taking in-person classes, I wouldn't be able to focus on my education. I'd be too busy wondering if I was going to get sick and die. In the spirit of bureaucratic mismanagement and obfuscation favored by Ron DeSantis and our state government, Kent Fox's administration has sought to minimize COVID fears, not by confronting the issue, but by shoving it under the rug. By undermining and policing faculty, by emboldening the most careless students, and beckoning the hundreds of people who puke, make out, and dance just outside my apartment window in Midtown every single night, to come back to campus, spend their money, and spread their germs. And for what? Certainly it isn't to help the instructors and employees who are being endangered by this rushed and anti-scientific reopening. The answer, of course, is that UF is desperate to reopen for money and clout, and they're willing to let workers, faculty, and students risk lifelong health issues and death for it. UF is the number six public university in the country. It should start acting like it by taking care of the people who got them there.
0: Raina Sacco was the city commissioner in Gainesville and says what happens at the University of Florida doesn't stay there. It spreads through the entire community.
6: The choice to force faculty and students back to campus is a flawed one. Data has shown that when students are forced back to campus and into towns, COVID numbers go on the rise. I believe there's a way to reopen a university in a safe and considerate manner. Forcing faculty back into the classroom before they are comfortable is not a safe and considerate manner. This is not how it should be. This is not how we should teach. And this is
5: not how to be a good neighbor to Gainesville.
0: Daniela Hawk is a community activist in Gainesville, and she says UF officials have a history of ignoring the locals, but now it's life and death.
6: The University of Florida does not exist on an island. The decisions that are made on campus by the administration bleed into the city of Gainesville. What is happening at UF right now is not new. It is a symptom of a much larger problem. The administration has proven time and time again that they are willing to sacrifice the safety and well being of their employees, students, and the community for their own agenda. The UF administration was fully aware that our community would suffer these consequences when they chose to force faculty, staff, and students back to in-person learning. We must hold decision makers at UF to a higher standard and call for nothing less than bold ethical leadership in the midst of this crisis. This fight is not just about asking for classes to be moved online. It is standing up to a powerful institution and demanding equity and decency.
0: Unions for the faculty and the grad students are leading the protest against the administration and they have the support of National Education Association President Becky Pringle. It doesn't have to be this way.
7: We know the CDC recommends that anyone who can work remotely stay remote. We know that for people with underlying conditions, COVID can make them gravely ill or take their lives. We understand some classes must be face to face, but we also know that teachers have adjusted to this challenge by making incredible adaptations to their teaching techniques, employing incredible innovations so their students can continue to learn. No one, no one who is at high risk or who lives with a high risk person should be forced to teach in person. Our most vulnerable educators must be given accommodations. And our students deserve better than this hodgepodge chaotic approach to the college
0: experience. Leaders on the faculty union at UF have five demands of the administration. Number one on their list is that faculty and staff should be scheduled for vaccination immediately. A former University of Florida professor and resident of China has been indicted by a federal grand jury in North Florida. 43-year-old Lin Yang is accused of fraudulently obtaining almost $2 million in federal grant money from the National Institutes of Health by concealing the support he received from the Chinese government and a company that he founded in China to profit from the research. Yang, who lived in Tampa at the time, is charged with six counts of wire fraud, four counts of false statements. He traveled to China back in August 2019 and has yet to return to the states. The Criminal Justice Committee in the Florida Senate approves a bill that would allow sick and elderly inmates to be released early. Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Petersburg is the sponsor of Senate Bill 232.
4: Yeah, we have, I mean, we have thousands of people in prison today that are elderly. And this, this looks at them in a very different way. And clearly if they've committed some heinous crime, but if it's not, you know, if it doesn't right, uh, reach that standard of, of um, heinous crime, then it allows the Department of Corrections secretary to review that case uh, along, with, um, along with his team to determine if that person maybe potentially could be eligible for house arrest, could be eligible for you know some type of, of electronic monitoring. But uh, for us, it's really trying to deal with the enormous amount of elderly we have in, in the prison system. For the elderly, it allows a streamlined process for them to, to get on, placed on house arrest, put on electronic monitoring, or other mechanisms. In many states offer what they call elder release um, because these individuals are m- not likely to rob a bank at 80. Uh, it, it allows for them to transition out of the system, potentially still being monitored or being monitored, continuing by the Department of Corrections, but just not continuing to be incarcerated
0: by the Department of Corrections. Lorette Phillipson spent more than eight years behind bars at Lowell Correctional Institution in Marion County. She says Brandis's bill would go a long way in making the correction system more humane.
8: We are not asking for a get out of jail free card. We're asking for compassion. Statistics show that long hard sentences do not help those incarcerated or the families of those incarcerated or the Department of Corrections. Studies have shown that after five years incarcerating people are not gaining anything but being warehoused. Opening the door for an opportunity to have their sentences reduced. SB 32 is this minimally and morally the right thing to do. Why are we so hard hearted that we don't even want to give people a second chance? What is that saying about us as a society? What is it saying about you, the legislators that write these laws in Florida? You have the ability to affect people's lives. These are lives we're talking about, not the numbers that DOC assigns to them. What we've been doing for the last 40 years is not working. You, the lawmakers, have to do things different. You have to change these outdated laws in this state. We need to change the system, and this would start with supporting SB 232 today and in the future.
0: Brandis's bill also sets up a new process to review the terms of juvenile offenders sentenced to life in prison without parole, and it would require officers who interrogate a suspect in their custody to record the entire conversation, so it's easier to figure out if a confession has been coerced. Next up on Sunrise In-Depth, the move to derail M-cores, also known as the Roads to Nowhere. Two Democrats in the state legislature have teamed up to try to unravel M-cores, the ambitious and very expensive plan to build three new toll roads through some of the last undeveloped areas of the state. Representative Ben Diamond of St. Petersburg says money is tight and there are other priorities. We
3: have to strengthen our state's unemployment system. We have to rebuild our state's public health infrastructure. I think we've all seen how important that is as a result of the difficulties we've had during this pandemic. We got to provide more support for our small businesses. We have to uh, do more to support affordable housing uh, throughout Florida. And we have to complete other transportation projects in this state that are actually needed. And um, in light of the fact that um, we have all these needs and we have to be realistic about our budget situation. We have concluded that um, this work, this session is going to be hard enough without continuing to uh, fund the roads to ruin that have been uh, proposed as part of the MCOR's legislation.
0: Senator Tina Polsky of Boca Raton says we don't need the new toll roads, we can't afford them, and the people in the path of MCOR's don't want them.
9: We think this is just not a wise use of our money. Representative Diamond and I both voted no on this bill in the first place in the House two years ago. And after the reports have come out that were uh, less than exuberant about the nature of this project and the fact that not only do we need the money desperately elsewhere, uh, but the possibility of destructing rural environments and the environmental outcomes that could come from these projects. We just think it makes sense to focus our efforts and our financial resources on much needed services in public education and healthcare and elsewhere through general revenue. I am from the South Florida area where traffic is a serious situation. And we would like to see our transportation money used where it is needed and it is asked for in the communities where we have a lot of congestion and a lot of development. And so to use this kind of money at this rate for areas that aren't even looking for it and where it's not needed is um, really just not a good use of our money.
0: Lindsay Cross with Florida Conservation Voters says we should pull the plug on MCORS before any more money is wasted on projects no one really wants, other than the road builders and property owners who will make a killing if the state needs their land.
5: As taxpayers, we've already thrown away more than 130 million dollars on this budget-busting MCORS program. And if fully constructed, these toll roads could cost our state nearly 25 billion dollars. We need to repeal the roads for several reasons. First of all, the roads are not wanted. I attended dozens of the meetings virtually or in person around the state as part of the MCOR's process. And I can tell you firsthand that the people of Florida do not want these roads. People around the state, especially residents in rural counties like Levy and Jefferson, know that these roads will destroy natural areas and impact the character of their communities. Second, these roads are not needed. The three task forces that were appointed to make recommendations on this program could not determine a need for the roads and stated that very clearly in their final reports to the governor, to our Senate president and the House Speaker. It really is time to repeal this program.
0: Senate leaders have suggested a pause in MCOR's funding because of the shortfall. Diamond and Polsky say that's not enough. They want to push the delete button. Your calendar of events starts at 8.30 when the Senate Agriculture Committee takes up a bill about animal cremation services. At 9, the Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee takes up a bill that requires new state hires to enroll in a 401k retirement plan and not the traditional pension. Critics say this would eventually dismantle the state retirement fund. The House Children, Families and Seniors Subcommittee holds a panel discussion at 9 about children's mental health emergencies. The House Environment, Agriculture and Flooding Subcommittee will receive presentations at 9 about dealing with flooding and sea level rise. The House Justice Appropriations Subcommittee meets at nine to hear a controversial move by the Department of Corrections to use eight and a half hour work shifts in state prisons instead of the 12 hour shifts they use now. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. At 11.30, the Senate Select Committee on Pandemic Preparedness hears from the Agency for Healthcare Administration and the Florida Healthcare Association. At noon, the House Early Learning and Elementary Education Subcommittee will consider a bill that includes creating a program to deliver free books to elementary school students who are considered struggling readers. That's a priority of the House Speaker. At 2, the Joint Committee on Public Counsel Oversight will interview candidates to succeed J.R. Kelly as the state's public counsel who represents consumers at the Public Service Commission. And the Department of Agriculture's Industrial Hemp Advisory Council meets by conference call at four. Despite a judge's order and a new law inspired by his reprehensible behavior, a Florida man who beat his nine-month-old puppy to death will be allowed to own animals again once he finishes probation. Travis Archer was sentenced to jail plus three years probation, and the judge ordered that he never own animals again. But a state appeals court says the judge exceeded her authority with the animal ban. Archer killed the Labrador puppy named Ponce in 2017. State lawmakers were so shocked they passed Ponce's Law, which allows for lifetime bans on animal ownership. But the appeals court says that punishment cannot be applied retroactively. Finally today, a tip of the hat to Florida man and state Senator George Gaynor. He was having trouble with his face mask during a committee hearing when it ended up in his mouth. Insert George Gaynor, mask in mouth. Gainer is from Panama City and speaks with a panhandle drawl, so it can be hard to understand at times. What he said was, I got my mask in my mouth, so there's no room in there for my foot. Words to live by, Senator, for all of us. That's it for Sunrise. This is Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.